Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help there. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host back again, Robin Bailey with, I won't say my favorite business partner, but I do like you. I do like you a lot, but I equally like my other business partner, although he never appears on the show. And we actually had someone ask about Joe yesterday. So maybe Joe will make a guest appearance at some point, but today back with us is Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? Well, thank you, Robin. And as always, always looking forward to our conversation today because I'm enthralled with the background and the career journey of our guest today. So I'm thinking this is going to be a great conversation like it usually is. And I'm looking forward to it. Al, do you ever pinch yourself and just think, I get to do this. I get introductions to cool people that I, a lot of the time, end up being friends with and I actually like and I'm interested. Well, today's one of those days because we got another great introduction, and joining us today is Raquel Binder, who is helping awesome people keep being awesome over a jobber. And I'm going to go through a bio because I think you've got a really interesting background, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit further. But she is a Toronto-based learning and development leader with over 10 years of experience in creating innovative learning opportunities. Coming from a background in education, leadership, and program development, Raquel uses a creative approach on her mission to develop, support, and retain great talent. Her passion is to support people in stepping away from the corporate ladder and embrace the multi-directional career journeys, aka the career jungle gym. I got to admit, that's the first time I'm hearing that one, so we'll talk about that. After working in the nonprofit sector for eight years in a variety of roles, Raquel made the leap into technology, leading the coaching and development team at Jobber, which is one of Canada's top 10 great places to work and a Deloitte Fast 15 winner. She is proud and grateful that every day she gets to listen to people's stories and help set them up for successful careers. Outside of work, you can find Raquel cooking up a storm, working out or planning her next trip. Welcome to the show, Raquel. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I got to ask, planning the next trip, where is the next one? I'm hoping for Patagonia in the fall. We'll see. It's it's a big planning endeavor, so we'll see what I can do, but that's currently on the roster. Super adventurous. And cooking up a storm, one of your favorites. What's one of your go-tos? One of your specialties if people were coming over? I'm a big like meat and potatoes gal, so you can usually find me doing like a roast chicken with veggies and potatoes or a good steak and always got to be a potato. All right. Yes, a big fan as well, both Al and I. Well, glad to have you here. Again, we get great introductions to people and so glad we had such a good first call that we decided, hey, we should talk about some of this stuff on the podcast. 
So can you talk to us a little more about your background, you know, your career journey to being a preschool teacher, to learning and development, to tech? Like, how does that all happen? Yeah, I look back on it and pinch myself all the time. Like, how do we end up where we end up? And I know I'm not the only person who feels like that. For me, my entire life has been about learning or teaching. I was the person in elementary school who was tutoring other people, who was finding every opportunity to teach something, whether it be dance or swimming or whatnot. But I never really knew what I wanted to do with that. I thought that the only option was to be a classroom teacher, which was an amazing career, but not ever something I I dreamt of doing long-term. But uh, I really wanted to learn more about education, how people learn, how people think. And I went down that path. I was teaching preschool special education at a wonderful nonprofit school. Uh, I loved the children. Uh, I really fell in love with the team development aspect of it. I was very fortunate that we had a 10-person cross-functional support system. And at 23 years old, I somehow figured out that we bring them all together, create team building opportunities, connect them to each other, help them understand the differences of every student and how we can create a cohesive learning experience. And I fell in love with bringing the classroom into the community. So getting out of the four walls and bringing the students into the world and bringing them into the classroom, I learned that that's a career also. So I ended up pivoting and was hired full-time by an organization that I was volunteering with to do community engagement programming, a large nonprofit organization. And I spent the next six years working my way through a variety of different roles that I did not know were under the learning and development umbrella. Never was taught that there is such thing as L&D, that that is a career on its own. So I managed to go into curriculum development, leadership development. I ran a human rights program, always focused on that content, learning and developing skills and fell in love with creating a really valuable workplace culture to help drive business success and hit the limit of what I could do at that organization unless I went into fundraising, which no one wants me fundraising, keep me far away from that. I'm really great at spending money on a budget, but raising money to spend, not my thing. And I didn't know what to do. What I felt was a breaking point in my career and the culture I was working in was not great. We did amazing things, but internally for the internal team was not healthy. So I started working with a career coach and asked what I, what to do. What do I want to be when I grow up? And she said to me, she's like, you know, you're a learning and development leader. It's like eight years of experience. I was like, what? never heard that. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that's a thing. So I started exploring and I got connected with Sarah Cooper, who is now our chief people officer at Jobber. And Jobber is a business management software for small home service businesses. It's mostly people who work around your home, cleaners, plumbers, lawn maintenance. I know you are very passionate about small businesses. And that's something that I definitely could relate to and connect to. And I fell in love with Jobber's mission and it was a great opportunity to build out L&D and really focus on that culture and skill development. And the rest, as they say, is history. I've been here for four years now. Yeah, the rest is history. Yes, it's always interesting to hear those stories. A couple of points I want to bring up. Obviously, you're working with adults nowadays and, you know, compared to children. But 
I always go back to, and, and I think it's such a valuable career and I, and I really admire our teachers. And I look back and, and Al would, I think we've had this discussion, Al. There are certain teachers who have had a really big impact in your life. I, I remember in grade seven, Mr. Hutchinson, I haven't talked to him ever. I probably should reach out to him and just let him know like he was one of my favorite teachers ever. Mrs. Hogarth in grade two, I remember going to the zoo and holding her hand and I was like, wow, I'm holding the teacher's hand. In your development of your career, the skills that you learned as a teacher, again, we're not dealing with children, you're dealing with adults, but how do you think that set you up for success to be able to look after other people and teach other people, again, in an adult setting? I'm dealing with humans and there's a certain amount of connection that's baseline, no matter what the age. If you see me grocery shopping on the weekend, there's chances are I've made friends with a million six-year-olds at the grocery store. Like I just talk to people and I connect and it, I take the same approach at work to treat people like they're humans, get to know who they are and create a foundation to really connect to where they want to go and grow. One of the first things I did as a teacher, we didn't have a framework for report cards at the school or for development planning. And it's like, how can I possibly be supporting these children if there's a different framework for every single one of them and for every one of these adults that are supporting them? So the first thing I did was create a framework for report carding and individual education plans. And that actually became the foundation for our development plan tool at Jobber. It's skill-based, it's simple, short, and sweet. And so there's so many little nuggets like that from my teaching days that have completely transformed how I approached my work here. And it all goes down to, I do a ton of research on human behavior, adult learning, child learning, staying up to date on best practices and how I can bring a mixture of things into group. I also like to keep it playful. I don't treat our adults like children, but sometimes we can really expand our edge of learning if we get a little bit playful, if we approach something in a different way and take away the seriousness of everything. Not everything needs to be so intense all the time. This is where, and we do have some listeners, Josh Siegel is a martial artist and he'll appreciate this, but you said keep it playful. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is what I trained in for so many years, You'd see people come in and they'd get to the first belt is a white belt. And then you've got four stripes on your white belt. And then you got the blue belt. And a lot of people were leaving at that time. And at the time, when I was growing up with jujitsu, it was very competitive. And you'd come in and new guys would get smashed. And then you had this ego around, you know, you couldn't get beat by this belt and that sort of thing. And then the Gracie family, which is the head family of jujitsu out of Torrance, California, they came out with this line about keeping it playful. And realizing that you didn't have to go in and smash everybody every time. You could train and take care of your classmates so that you could come back the next day and train together. And this whole movement went through the jiu-jitsu community about keeping it playful. And what school saw was people were actually staying for a longer time past blue belt and getting their purple belt and brown and becoming black belt because they knew they could go and train the next day without fear of, oh, if I go in there, there's all these killers that are going to you know smash me. And when you brought that up, I just thought if you can introduce that into a work culture, what a fantastic place to go. And, you know, Al and I have had that conversation about why do you come to work? And part of it for us, I think, and, and hopefully our team is we enjoy each other right? Like we want to have fun with each other. Yes, we work hard, but we want to enjoy it along the way. And Al and I just introduced, a, and Joe, um, introduced a fun campaign because again, we want to keep it playful. But I haven't heard that term 
since, you know, back in my jujitsu days. So when you brought it up, I wanted to touch on that. And I think you've given us a really good idea as we go forward as building our own business to keep it playful. So from that alone, success leaves clues. Well, there's one <laughs> right there. Raquel, you, I want to talk a little bit about your journey because you've had quite an interesting career journey. And there is that common theme about learning, even though you went from being a teacher, teaching young children to now helping adults learn. There's obviously some commonality there. But beyond your own career journey, like how would you describe what you think it looks like for 2023? Like, what's it going to look like down the future? What's it look like now for people, you know, that gone are the days where you started at one job and worked there all your life and retired with a pension? That just doesn't happen anymore. So can you talk a little bit about what you think it looks like now and and what it's going to look like in the future? Yeah, I probably spend a good dedicated hour every day thinking just about this immersed in these wild times that we're in. And I really balance there's an overwhelming perspective on it. And there's a playful perspective on it. And I have to kind of toggle both to be able to plan for now and be aware of how quickly things are changing and evolving. I think there's more opportunities for unique careers now than ever before. Uh, If we look back on the past 10 years, so many jobs that people have now did not exist five or 10 years ago. And I predict that within the next three, four, five years, even if not sooner, there's going to be tons of jobs that don't exist now. Part of it is, I think we've learned over the past three years due to the pandemic that People can create new jobs based on the skills. People can create new experiences based on what they want to do, not just what they've been told to do. There's no more traditional careers, which you just mentioned. I think traditional careers, someone who stays in a company long-term is untraditional now. And now moving about somewhere every couple of years is going to become the normal. And we also are going to see a lot of people changing careers based on where and how the companies work. We all got used to working fully remotely over the past few years, which completely transformed not only how people think about work, but how they work and how they balance their work and lifetime. And now we're kind of at this apex of figuring out where that pendulum is going to swing and and what it's going to look like. And I think that's going to cause its own career overhaul on top of the changing workforce and types of roles. So all of that is going to lead to both employees and job seekers to upskill and reskill and companies to provide opportunities for people to upskill and reskill and change what careers can look like internally. So what you just described, and I think you're bang on, but That's got to be stressful for both employees and employers in terms of, you know, this constant change. You said you'll probably shift every two years. How do individuals prepare for that? How do businesses prepare for that? I can speak to the businesses first. I like to think of the organization as like that home base for a career. We obviously have business goals in mind, and that is what everyone is working towards. We are all driving towards different business realities, trying to get to different levels of success and move the business needle forward. But how that happens can and will evolve. As the world around us changes, businesses will have to evolve to meet up with that. So that alone is opportunity for new careers within it. I think that when you really distill what people want, they don't necessarily want a new 
job every couple of years or a new employer every couple of years. They want new opportunities for flexing different skills, learning different things, and potentially having multiple careers within the organization. So it's up to organizations to provide those opportunities. At Jobber, we built out what we call our career jungle gym framework. We have tons of people who have moved within the company, moved upwards, backwards. I came in, for example, I was a director level with a team reporting into me in my old company. I came into a Jobber, technically a few steps backwards as an individual contributor leading a strategic portfolio and People were like, why are you taking a step back in your career? But it's about the skills that I was able to gain to push in a different direction. And we have so many cases of that at Dauber. And in order to do that, a company needs to create frameworks. What are the skills that are needed for success as an L1 sales representative? What are the skills needed for success as an L1 success representative? Then looking at the similarities and differences and help create a path for someone to move from one area to the next. On the employee side, it's also up to employees. We always say that our job is not to develop our employees, but provide the opportunities for them to develop themselves. So to take that initiative to learn new skills, to maybe try something completely outside of your portfolio and see how you can bring that in. So my team, we are not in the spreadsheet business and we're all doing training on how we can maximize what we can do in sheets, how we can leverage our metrics to be able to get a different vantage point on making learning successful. So really expanding our edge within what you want to do and potentially where you want to go in. And I'd say the final thing for really anyone, but especially the job seeker, the employee is to network. If you're happy in your company, network within your company, ask someone to meet you for a coffee, have a conversation virtual or in person. What makes you tick? What do you love about your career? What's something that you might change? If you could go backwards, what would you do differently? I love the success leaves clues idea. What are clues that got you to where you are at now and make those connections even connections outside. This was so hard for me when I was starting my journey. I am incredibly shy, despite the fact that my job is talking to people. But the idea of reaching out for a cold coffee was mortifying. And I did it. I had a script. I practiced it. And then I tried to be relaxed or send hide behind a message. And I just pushed myself to have conversations and learn as much about what is out there so that I could be my best within my current role as well. Well, there was a lot there, but I think, first of all, thanks. I think you might be the very first guest that's actually echoed back the Success Leaves Clues moniker to us. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're so welcome. I truly love it. It's definitely got me thinking differently about my own career journey. Yeah, and I think I heard, uh, I mean, I heard a lot of good stuff there. But again, I think what I really focused on is things are evolving more quickly than ever. And I like what you said about, I may get the wording wrong here. It's not up for you to develop your people, but to give them the opportunity to develop themselves. Because that's, again, it's just going to be ongoing and it's going to be faster than ever, right? With everything that we're seeing out there, technology's changing, the world is changing. That's not going to slow down. Yeah. And I'm an eternal optimist. It's one of my biggest strengths and weaknesses, depending on the day, but I know there's a lot of people who are talking about how scary this point in history is. And I really am looking at it like a point of opportunity. We get to create 
the future of the job industry. And that is a really exciting time to be in this field. It's interesting that you say that. I had a conversation with a client just this week about all the things that are changing going forward. And I said, if we were having this conversation 40 years ago, would it be a different conversation? Because at the time, everything in the future looks a little bit scary and a little bit unknown. And I agree with you. It is an opportunity. It's different than it was before, but it's still an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad because we talked about it in your bio. I'm glad you brought it up yourself about the career jungle, Jim. And again, to echo what Al said, I think you're right. I think things are going to be changing rapidly and the norm is now. We were on a call this morning and someone had said, well, this HR person is here for two years because they're a builder and we already know they're going to be gone in another two years because that's what they do. That's their skill set. Going forward, if you were to give some advice to listeners about what are the skills that people should be developing so that they're well positioned for the next three, four, five years? I think first is starting with an audit of the technical skills. I think those are the easiest to get a navigation towards. So what is the field, the industry that you're interested in pursuing and making sure that you have the technical skills for that. A little bit of research. I love Coursera. We partner with Coursera here at Jobber to help get really affordable, but high impact, high quality learning. And there's so much out there now to learn those technical skills for success. And if there's a technical area that you're interested in learning, why not take a course, find a meetup, get to know people, network. I'm going to come back to that a lot. Ask people, learn more skills, shadow, whatnot. On the, I was about to say soft skills. I absolutely hate that terminology. I think sometimes those soft skills are actually the most challenging to learn, but the non-technical skills, I would say, emotional intelligence is a huge game changer for an employee to understand who the people are that you're connecting with, connect with them at that deeply personal level, show that open-mindedness, show your listening skills, your eagerness to learn and grow, that will set one person up for success over another. And resilience is huge right now. Resilience is a big buzzword now. We've all had to experience it in ways never before seen over the past few years. But as we're going into this future, or the future is now as cheesy as that sounds, but where there's so much change, figuring out how to develop that resiliency will put you apart from another person to be able to navigate and if not thrive in that change. I echo your sentiment because you've brought it up a couple of times now about networking. Incredibly important. And from my perspective, the reason why it's incredibly important is you can't know everything and you can't know everyone. But when you need help, when you've got that network, like the network that we've built out, I feel comfortable and I'm very much like you. I am an introvert. People might find that surprising because I run a podcast but I'm 100% an introvert. Every test has ever said that. I know that about myself. Today, after a full day of podcasting, I will happily sit by myself at home tonight. You know, my wife will be there, but otherwise it'll just be me. But, you know, networking and, and having that reach to be able to ask, hey, hey, I need help on this. Do you know someone who can help? And it just takes so much stress out of your life. And you'd point it out, gives you opportunities that might not have been there if you hadn't put in the effort. And I can relate to your story about reaching out that first time and being very nervous about it. And I think you did it the way a lot of us do it. Well, let's practice it. Let's practice it so it doesn't sound scripted. And then eventually you do get used to it and you realize, oh, well, people do want to help you. 
that's human nature. Humans want to help other humans. So as long as you're willing to ask and ask in an authentic way, I think you'd be surprised about how many people really do want to come and help you. And if you've built that network, it is going to pay dividends for years to come. I hundred times over agree with what you've said. And then the beauty about building those relationships is they start as, and what I found awkward is me asking someone else for something, but it becomes very reciprocal. There's so many people that you've actually had on this podcast. Josh Siegel and I went to camp, Leah Carr and I used to volunteer together. And we now have these beautiful reciprocal relationships where it's not only what can you do for me, but I ask, what are you struggling with right now? What's hard for you? How can I help? It's the amount of learnings that come from that is so valuable to my career and their career, I hope. So before we get to maybe the final question, I did have something that I wanted to throw in and ask you, Raquel, and that was something I picked up on your bio. You said that you are proud and grateful that every day you get to listen to people's stories. So can you just talk about some of the things that maybe you uh, are thankful for every day? I love this question. Firstly, I am grateful that I get to go to a job every day that I love. I love what I do. I love where I get to do it. Jobber helps people in small business be successful. And my team's job is to help the people who help people in small business be successful. And I have touch points with that every day and go home. Even on the most challenging day, there's something I can look back and say, I love that. The thing that I am most grateful for is being able to help people unlock some blocker in their day to grow, to see things a little bit differently, try something new, learn something new, get coached. I have an amazing team of coaches and I get to see how asking powerful questions can help direct someone. So I'd say that like to sum it up, the gratitude is around both what I get to give to people and what I get to learn from them. Perfect. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. And in a very few short sentences, you hit on some great ideas there. So I want to jump now to the final question that I usually ask to finish off a podcast. So if you're up for it. Bring it on. It's my favorite part of your podcast (laughs) as a listener. All right. Perfect. I'd love to hear that. So here we go. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? I'd say at work, actually in life, I think it is my duty to help create that shade for others, uh, to keep on building that tree and creating new opportunities for shade. So at work, it is truly through that connection, that listening, the finding out what people need and removing a roadblock to help them get there. We just talked for a while about some of the ways I go about doing that. Outside of work, volunteering is a huge passion of mine. Since I was a small child, my family instilled in me that care for my community. And that was my career for many years. And over the past few years, I've been really trying to connect with the community again as a volunteer rather than as a professional. As a volunteer, I've most recently been sharing the story of my grandparents who are Holocaust survivors, specifically my grandmother to high school students through adults with a purpose of helping them understand the past to prevent atrocities in the future, to help make sure that our world is a safe place for everyone from all backgrounds. And that has definitely been the shade that I am trying to provide for others. And it's been a really valuable experience, both for me and for them. 
That's amazing. And again, I think that's another first that I don't think we've had anyone talk about the fact that their grandparents were part of the Holocaust. So that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that because we can talk a little bit about that afterwards as well. That is the reason why I remember the day Al came to me and said, hey, I think I've got a great question we should be asking on the podcast. And I've never been disappointed with the answer from someone. And they're all different, right? Yours is unique. We've never had anyone answer that way. So thank you so much, Raquel, for joining us today and sharing your journey. It's been very interesting. And I do look forward to chatting with you offline as well, as Al, as Al said. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Jobber? Thank you for this opportunity. This is such a fun conversation. I also am looking forward to continuing to build this relationship. LinkedIn is a great place to find me, Raquel Binder. Shoot me a message. Always happy to have a conversation. Always happy virtual or in-person coffee as well. So don't shy about reaching out. Okay, cool. Thanks, Raquel. Okay, that does it for today's episode. As you can tell, we really enjoyed this conversation. We hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as we've seen today, success leaves clues. See you next time.